Well, hello, you found us or found us again, Matthew Grant here, and this is our 200th episode of the podcast. That's over 100 hours of recordings to listen to since Palo Kumo launched episode one in June 2017, and we've had over 170,000 downloads. What did Willie Anders say? 80% of success in life is just about showing up. So many thanks if you're one of our regular listeners. Welcome if this is your first time. And thank you for those of us who've told us what you like and occasionally what you don't like. You are why we do this after all. Now, as you have noticed, it's back to the partners chat this week, six months since the last one. Just Robin and I face to face, for real this time, finding out what we've been seeing in the world, plus some personal stories from life in and outside of insurance, raw and uncut. So over to us. Okay, Robin, we've got to start preparing. We've got to jump in and, uh, and do this. This is, uh, this is quite exciting. This is us back face-to-face. I think the last face-to-face podcast we had was about three years ago, and then the whole world went into COVID meltdown. I'm not quite sure what we did. Hopefully, we weren't responsible for that. No, I'm back from uh, Amsterdam. I think 1,200 people there, and um, I learned quite a lot. The biggest observation I make is that Schiphol's airport is more chaotic than Heathrow, so... My kind of belief that all these issues we face are post-Brexit was proven sort of fundamentally wrong. Okay, well, we're not getting into politics. We can maybe start a new podcast for that one. Uh, but it does, I suppose we should take heart, not only that other countries managed to also mess up their airports, but I know you've got a story about uh, your digital experience or your paperwork experience that makes insurance seem like the heroes. Those people who think their passport expires when it says the passport expires, it, it, it doesn't. So I turned up the airport a couple of weeks ago with a, with a passport that said expiry January 23, and, and it's already expired, uh, apparently. So it really was a last-minute scramble to get a passport for Amsterdam, which included sending my wife off to Woolly Wales somewhere to uh, collect it on my behalf, uh, which um, I'm still making up for. Yeah, and no, it, it was a trade-off between going to Wimbledon and getting your passport, so I hope DIA appreciate the sacrifice you made. But it sounds like you had a chance to catch up with what's going on in Europe and some uh, yeah, quite interesting takeaways on hopefully some positive stories around what's happening in short tech and innovation. But by far the best uh, thing I thought about it all was that there was none of the sense of doom and gloom around in short tech that you get if you read too much of the kind of press. Uh, there was a strong sense that the issues that in tech is facing, the sort of public issues and the uh, big write-downs and value is is a bit US-led uh, and then very public company-led. Uh, I, I think that uh, it's seen as quite a, a strong quarter or a strong uh, six months or so from European insurtech point of view. There was a genuinely very positive um, vibe around. Lots of activities, lots of new companies emerging uh, and, and, and absolutely really difficult to detect some sense that InsurTech was in some serial decline. So do you think we switched from, you know, we talked about this about a year ago, you know, mid-COVID, where it's very hard to get early stage funding, but some of the later stage funding was still coming through. Do you think we're seeing a sort of shift now, so it's actually tougher at the later stages than, um, than it's easier, but there, you know, we, we're both aware of funds coming back in that early stage, so more encouraging for some of the people looking to start up companies? Certainly. I went to a really good roundtable that was hosted by Mundi Ventures, Mapfrey, uh, among others. Um, and they had done the, uh, the stats on, on, on this. 
the early and mid-stage uh, raising now is as good as it's ever been. I think their, their stat was that for the first quarter of 2022, for the whole of Europe, there was $884 million raised, which is the second biggest quarter ever. And then the other stunning stat from the same report was uh, that compares with the US, where those big companies that made a lot of noise that were listed, Lemonade, Root, Metromile, and others, have collectively raised between them $8.3 billion. And then their combined market cap is now $4.4 billion. The size of those write-downs has skewed the stats in a very big way because there's still really good value being created in Europe. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how many people seem to take some glee from the fact that these companies have been written down. I guess you know there are a few that went to the market early and it, it probably sets or resets expectations for the others. But I mean, we are talking to fact we're going to have on the podcast coming up a couple of people setting out funds specifically for those early stage companies. And also, of course, we're seeing more corporate ventures coming back in from some of the insurance companies that had previously done this backed off or, or hadn't done it before. But I know you've been talking to a few of those companies. I, I think the biggest, um, the most exciting thing from our point of view is the amount of work we've now got from venture funds or our best insurer innovators who are back looking for things to invest in, looking for MGAs to provide their capacity to, um, scouting far and wide. They know what they want. They've got money to spend. If you have a proposition that um, makes them better at business and or provides them with something they haven't already got, they're prepared to put money back in again. And that, that feels like the first time for 18 months or two years there's been um, placed various places you can go, industry or not industry, to get your early stage idea funded. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? We should be careful what we say because someone might claim we should be regulated, but we do seem to be uh, taking on the role that you think the brokers might do with that point about helping companies find capacity. I mean, we've got organizations like Greenlight Re, Accelerant, and others who are uh, looking for, as always, good companies, sometimes looking to put some funding in, also looking to put in some capacity, but definitely seen a theme on that and actually been quite pleased to be able to put some companies forward to those organizations that they are actually now starting to work with. Yeah, and, and as a result, we've got some new members. Chai Predict, um, you know, that's looking for investment. Um, we had Aurora, uh, which is doing SME, commercial business. That, that's looking for, for investment and capacity. It sounds like that's all we do. I, 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 I rushed off to Amsterdam to, um, you know, brush up my Dutch heritage, leaving you uh, to hold the fort. And, and there's no shortage of things going on here. Uh, yeah, and unfortunately, it's why you feel you can rush off and leave me leave me here. We've now got a team of some fantastic people supporting us. So uh, last time I looked, we had 15 full-time people and another four people in key roles. And uh, delighted to have Paul Novelle, who's joining us as our chief operating officer, just to make sure we keep the machinery running. Paul uh, has worked for AXA and Aviva in his career, knows insurance well, uh, worked in government, and actually most recently has been out in Kenya working on a startup so he's back landed actually in <laughs> he's landed in the uk today and guess what he's uh, his train's been cancelled and so he may or may not be joining us for the for the uh the, the party tonight so um hopefully we'll see paul but um on the subject of parties we've had quite a lot going on um and yeah delighted sort of in this post-covid area to have actually had nine monthly events since september we've released 14 reports we'll come back and talk about those in a minute 
Um, we've had seven dinners in the evening. Thank you, Robin, for finding some great venues. Uh, and amongst all that you know, activity and, and not quite, it is social, but it's got a business side to it. You've actually been busy churning out a couple of reports. And most recently, you've just handed in your, uh, your marketplace report for marking and turning into something polished we can release to the world. And on time, uh, I'm slightly um, frightened by the apparatus we have now and making sure that one has to do what one says on time. No, I felt, um, you know, sometimes we write these things because there's a mandate to do so from our members. Sometimes the feeling comes across us to, to write something that we feel sort of passionately about. And, and this was the latter in, in the sense that I think we're at a real flux state in, the, in, in relation to marketplaces and risk exchanges. And I feel slightly like the end of an era and the original propositions around utilities and, and big exchanges, which were going to mastermind the transaction process on behalf of everybody is ending. And as a result of that, there's, there's a sort of fracturing of the landscape. There's lots of new propositions emerging, solving lots of different problems, access to new capital, you know, bringing the risk manager into the equation, even, of course, you know, crypto and the ability to ensure crypto assets, all, all kinds of interesting things and a big variety of things. And the whole purpose of the report was to highlight what's going on and to show that in a future world, you might have to trade with or integrate with lots of people, not one people, which I think is an interesting sort of change of, of where we were 12 months ago. And of course, the joy now of being back in London, uh, as well as, of course, being face to face is I popped out earlier on today to go to the Lloyd's Lab Demo Day, which is basically where the cohorts talk about they're doing. Uh, one of the organizations there was, was talking about its marketplaces, but somebody talking after said, well, you know, did I think these ever would take off? Would the, would the major brokers ever allow independent marketplaces to survive, or are they going to want to do that themselves or you know, sort of disable that happening? But are you, are, you seeing, are you seeing signs of hope there of people being able to produce marketplaces that can flourish independently of the support of the brokers or maybe with the support of the brokers, but you know, them not trying to sort of own that space in its entirety. Well, I think you've highlighted what has caused the issue because I think it was very easy for people to hide behind a strategy which says this is something that the market has to deliver or there's no point in me taking the initiative on this because Aon Marsh and Willis will gang together and they'll create the winning exchange. So it was always a an excuse for being passive. And, and if our thesis is right, that those forces are not going to produce the solution, then you have to decide what to do. And of course, the, the options are do absolutely nothing and hope that your peers do nothing too, or see it as an opportunity to um, you create some sort of competitive advantage. And I think that what we're seeing with, I don't know, Rethink, you know, Key, Fave, some of these other people we've talked about, is they see competitive advantage in creating digital-first businesses. And when there are some digital-first businesses, some people will, will see the, the, the benefits of going digital-first themselves. And, and so, so I think while nobody does it, it's fine. But while some break ranks, it creates a different dynamic altogether. Yeah, and I think the critical test of whether that's going to be successful is whether people are putting submissions up or putting offers up there for insurance on a platform and not doing it the old-fashioned way with a broker walking around the market. Are you seeing examples where people are doing that or is it, are they still sort of covering their bets, for want of a better word, by actually going the traditional route as well as placing it on a platform? Uh, a, a bit of both. I mean, we, the, the report is called 10 Ways in Which Marketplaces and Exchanges Are 
uh, changed in the way we do insurance. And, and so I don't think there's any sense that any of these is a, is a universal panacea. But you know, there are some like Bolt Tech that are uh, um, going to try and solve the integration challenge. There are some like Vestu and Akinova, which are going to give us access to new kinds of, of capacity. There are some, you know, specialist exchanges emerging now which just do cargo, like X-Trade Cargo, or just do um, political risk and trade credit, like Dialogue Exchange. So th that's that's the observations. That no, no, this is going to solve your problems, but 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 look at all these exchanges and work out what your issues are and see if any of these might help. Yeah, I mean, it's like that classic advice to people starting a business, which is you want to focus on one thing and do it well, and then you um, and you grow from there. And uh, we ourselves have been experiencing the joys or the pains probably more likely of building out technology as we move to what I call no code, which simply means people can now sign up for our reports and events by signing on to website and don't need to put a code in there. It turns out it isn't quite as simple as you might think to do that, but we are now seeing some good traffic coming through people downloading the reports. I think your marketplace ones, you're actually providing that for free, so it's not one of the ones we're putting behind a, a paywall. It was partly a vanity project. The more people who read it, the, the more self-satisfied I am. So, uh, you know, that, that's, that's always my motivation. You know, please read me, please read me. Um, but you, you, you yourself, is this, am I right saying this is the 200th podcast, of which, by the way, I've done about 10 and you've done 190? Uh, well, you know it's a 200th podcast. That's why we're doing it. It's not bad, is it? I mean, people still tell us they listen to us and uh, the stats suggest that people are still downloading us in quite healthy numbers. So, I, you know, that's, why we, that's what makes it worthwhile. We, thank you to uh, Nigel, you know who you are, who gets up at 7 o'clock in the morning, wherever he is in the world, to listen to the podcast and then gives me a gives me a sort of view on it 45 minutes later. But um, no, we're you know, delighted to have the support of people to do it. And uh, you know, we, we get a lot of people, a lot of PR companies asking us if their, their uh, clients can be on it. And the answer is yes, but you kind of need to be a member or be particularly interesting to, to be on it. But uh, you know, we, we have to stand back a little bit and celebrate the success of our guests. So we've now released the 1,000 Fans podcast. And the reason we call it 1,000 Fans is a very interesting article by someone called Kevin Kelly, and his basic premise is in life or in business, if you've got a 1,000 people that support what you're doing, you've basically succeeded. Uh, and um, whilst I couldn't claim to sort of validate that every single person that listens to every single podcast is a fan, we think it's, you know, it's good enough for anybody who's got more than 1,000 downloads. They're going to get a little uh, token of our appreciation, which they can put on their desk. And it's you know people like yourself and others are quite competitive, so it helps also distribute the podcast. So yeah, if you, if you are a podcast listener or you've done a podcast... Uh, look out, you might be getting your 1,000 fans um, award soon. Hi, Henry here, part of the research team at Instatech. Parametric insurance is well on its way to being a $1 billion market. New products and initiatives continue to be launched, while case studies and high-value payouts show how parametric works in practice. To keep up to date with the parametric insurance market, you can subscribe to our Parametric Post newsletter. It tracks the latest parametric insurance news every two weeks, along with market insights. You can sign up for the newsletter on our website, instech.co. You've got a story to tell us about your own insurance experience, which um, throws some, perhaps some insight uh, on the, the state of the market, which, which we better not name the company, we, but in case they're a corporate member or something. I've got many stories on my insurance experience. I mean, one of them, which... Is, uh, is we actually were renewing our SME insurance for the business, and I got a 10-page PDF on the 
the podcast and basically whether we use any profanities or whether we're going to be sued. Um, and it was provided in a way that was almost impossible to fill in without downloading it. So we gave up on that. But no, the, one, the other one you're referring to, Robin, is um, I think everyone in the UK, maybe globally, is aware that the UK has brought a new legislation to stop what's called price walking, which is basically means your, uh, your existing clients and insurer get penalized because every year the price goes up slightly uh, to, to basically support the new customers that come in and this is this is a sort of big reason that we've got aggregators and comparison websites in the UK because you in the, up until recently you could always get cheaper insurance by going out and cancelling insurance and buying a new one and just how how cheap I now know exactly why because for the Grant household two rather modest cars in London we were paying nine hundred and fifty eight pounds last year and I had an email through from my insurer uh, very simple I said your policy last year was nine hundred fifty eight pounds your policy this year was five hundred and fifty so it's almost halved. Nothing to do with me. Didn't have to go back and ask them to requote. It's just a, it's a regulation. Sometimes does work, um, and uh, in this case, in a, in a positive way. I'm busy thinking as I speak as to whether or not I'm now. Am I? Is it easier for me to use um, obscenities and profanities on our podcast, <laughs> or or less easy? I mean, I, I mean, at one level, if we're insured, I can do it with some form of impunity. But if we're not insured, I better be careful. Is that the right? Well, uh, I think it's you, Robin. I think there's a sort of filter that people you know, naturally put on or allow you to get away with. Although Apple, Apple does actually withdraw podcasts if there's, if there's too much foul language in there. So you can use it, but just uh, choose your words carefully. I will. So let's look ahead. We're talking slightly as if it's the end of the year. And, I, and that, partly that's because it's our summer party tonight. And uh, we're going to sort of uh, end this stage of the year in, in style and take a, a six-week break. And then thereafter, we've got um, a bunch of more reports and, and things to focus on. Uh, anything in your sites? Uh, well, fortunately, I think for us and actually everybody who, who, who uh, supports all our events, we're going to give everybody a bit of a break from uh, where well, we've got the summer party tonight. Hopefully we'll all survive that. But then we're off really, and not off as a business, but off as doing events and reports until after August. And then, um, yeah, we're back. We've got our, all our events lined up every month now. We've got people asking us about next year. We've got our founders dinner which has been very successful so uh robin you and you will know because you were there uh, but we've getting together now people that are building technology companies we uh buy them some dinner there's no agenda there's no sponsor uh and of course no surprise they hold the record for being the people that are the last to leave the restaurant of any of the dinners so that's going on next week and also had a, our successful marketing businesses for people doing technology and marketing so yeah we're doing a lot but august um people can can do things that they need to do outside of having to join us at Instec for a while. And this sort of creation of sub-communities is a big uh, issue for us. We've already achieved it in Parametric, where I think we, Henry knows almost everybody, and, and, and with, with ESG too. We're going to start creating a life and health, or a particularly a health insurance um, sub-community. There's, there's, that, that will be a series of events through the rest of the year. Um, we want to talk talking about digital twins. If anybody out there knows anything about digital twins, uh, it's it's a, it's something we're hearing more and more about, and, and I feel it's something we should write about a kind of beginner's guide to digital twins. And I think we've got cyber on our, our list of things to, to write about and revisit after all this time. On those reports, one other thing I think we're seeing, which is really encouraging, is that we're actually being asked by our insurance clients. We've got 40 companies now working with insurers to actually help them understand what the landscape looks like. Um, we've talked about it a few times, but 
you know, still one of the areas people are struggling with is how to extract data from from PDFs. It wasn't what InsureTech thought would be the future seven years ago, but then neither was pet insurance. Um, but it's just an example of where we've you know, got an insurance company now that is looking for information on that, has come back to us and said, right, who do we know in that space? And the joy of doing these reports and of course working with so many people, it's not just you and I, as you said, Rob, we've got 10 people on the team now going out talking to all our members and others, is that we actually have got a pretty good view around the world of who's doing this. And some we know better than others, no surprise, some are members. But we were seeing we've got a nice um, support we're providing to our insurance members now of helping them understand what the landscape looks like and then actually being able to drill down and in some cases help them shortlist who they should be working with as partners in these areas. As time goes on and with the help of 10 people in the research and insights team, we, we've, I feel more and more like we're in an intelligence business. The value that we create, particularly for those insurers, is who's doing what, who's doing it well, who's worth talking to, where do I go if I want one of these? And just coming back to your point about moving into some new areas with life and health, um, my wife took great pleasure from one of the companies we had at a previous event, which basically gave you a view of what your, um, I can't know exactly how they described it, but they're comparing your, how you looked versus your biological age. And she came out a few years younger and I came out a few years older. They always seem to have the sort of best applications, don't they? And sort of ways of assessing things from the, from the life and health space. Well, I've, I've talked about DIA and how uplifting it was. Almost my most positive takeaway was in the excellent state of, of European InsurTech report that I've referred to earlier, they looked at the big uh, trends and opportunities going forward. And, and the, the one they picked out as the top three was the silver economy. Uh, and, and I see myself firmly in the silver economy these days. And, and the idea that after spending two decades talking relentlessly about millennials and how important they are and, and you know, when they don't own anything, um, it's quite nice to see the focus at long last turn to, to me in the silver economy. And not just that, but actually with Paul joining us, who's a little bit younger than you and I and is a big advocate of using technology to make life easier in communication, we might even be uh, starting to use Slack as our communication channel within the business, which just shows you're never too old to, to start using a new technology. Now, this is what worries me about having a COO. There's going to be far too much process and technology for me, but, but you know, I'll go with you as far as I can. Well, at least it means, Robert, you don't have to, we don't have to worry about you sleeping in the morning and, uh, and not making payroll. We're now going to have an, a system that's much more efficient for doing that. Uh, well, I'll still do it in bed in the morning before I get up. Um, anyway, look, look, all in all, I think much to look forward to. I mean, I, you know, I don't buy the doom and gloom. I'm seeing a lot that, that cheers me up. And, and we've always had deep in our DNA this desire to help early stage companies and to, to, to point them in the right direction. That, that for this quarter has been marvelous to see all that return and, and have genuine activity that, you know, some great entrepreneurs and, and some willing and, and adventurous backers. And it's sort of helping us go back to, to the beginning, you know, helping stage companies. And, and there's, there's nothing more enjoyable from my point of view than that. No, I agree. I mean, both you and I enjoy doing that. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, give people some time of day to help them. You know, sometimes we're a bit frank and we think what they're doing is, is um, in our mind, how should we say it, not a great idea. Um, but often these people, you know, they actually back us once they get their money coming in. And, and you know, there's a great sort of support and payback into the community, which we're great fans of. Um, I do have one question for you, Robin, before you go. But, but is sort of that, anything else before I get to that that we should talk about before we wrap up and get chucked out of our room here? No, only that uh, the most uh, out there proposition that I've seen in the last month is, is ensuring assets on the metaverse. So... 
watch watch out. There will soon be a policy for um, metaverse assets. Yeah, it feels a bit like investing in NFTs or uh, or Bitcoin in January this year. I don't think it'll be getting me going there. No, the question I've got for you for and so for anybody who wasn't listening to one of our previous podcasts, when I turned on the in those days Zoom to interview Robin, he had a gun in his hand, and I got a bit worried. And it turned out that there was a uh, I think it was a rat eating your bird food. And, and, and actually, a number of people have asked me, what happened to the rat? So what is the end of that story? Did you get the rat or is it still living? No, there is an update. Uh, the, the rat uh, has succumbed, but, but, but poisoned. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm... But, but, but I'm back on the trail because um, I have a plum tree in my garden and the squirrel is now coming to eat the plums. Uh, and he comes every day to inspect whether or not they're ready for eating. And um, the gun is now um, by the back door. And, and I'll tolerate two or three more visits. But if I see that squirrel take a single plum off that tree, then I think, I think he has to go. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll, we'll get an update on that uh, next time. And uh, good. Well, I think that wraps it up. We don't need to drag us out any longer. Robin, we've got to, as I said, we've got to get back to our day job. So thanks. Well, that's just another party, isn't it? <laughs> Well, if you got this far, you probably already know who we are and what we do. But to find out more about how you might be able to help, or if you're interested in becoming a corp member, go to www.instec.co or drop any of us an email, hello at instec.co or myself, Matthew at instec.co. That's it.